This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes. And Matt Orbebe with the ball in the air. Makes the catch. Welcome to Oski Talk. I'm Drew Pastoric, taking you through the past week in fighting Illini athletics. It's been kind of hard this week with no football. Illinois still coming off that victory against Virginia, 24-3 in week two. Still weird saying that. Uh, did not play this past weekend. Every other Big Ten team was in action. I'll have some of my colleagues from the Champagne Room, Will Charlton and Brant Dolce, joining me in just a little bit to discuss the Big Ten, discuss the potential for Illinois football, kind of where we see the season shaking out, trying to peer into the crystal ball just a little bit. And then at the end of the episode, I'll spotlight our Illini of the week. Before I bring in Will and Brant, I just wanted to touch on a couple of things some of which you will see at the champagneroom.com. Uh, let's start with the football-related stuff. Some recruiting news. Declan Dooley committing to Illinois football this past week. Uh, he's a local kid from El Paso Gridley, transferred in from Normal University High. So either way, he's kind of in Illinois' backyard. He's a three-star recruit, but he's the number two punting prospect, according to 24-7 Sports. So he's joining for the class of 2023. I thought this was really cool. I didn't know if you had seen this or not, but uh, he didn't make his commitment with a big graphic or a, you know, a, a flashy edit or something like that you normally see on social media these days. He actually made his commitment during his school announcements. Like they had him on the PA system at his high school announcing his commitment to Illinois. So I thought that was pretty cool. Special teams has been a weakness for Illinois so far this year. They've been a little shaky. Uh, You had David Olano commit a few months back. He's the third rated kicker in 2023. And now you've got the number two punter in 2023 coming to Illinois. Obviously, Brett Bielema and his staff recognize that's a very important part of what they do. You know, controlling the field position, you know, having a reliable kicking game to finish off games late, uh, to have that in your holster, to know you can trust those guys to make plays either flipping the field or that you can not put as much pressure on your offense or your QB because you have a nice kicker, uh, a reliable kicker. Awesome, awesome stuff. I thought punting is winning was Iowa's thing, but maybe it's going to be Illinois' thing too. Blake Hayes, gone. Hugh Robertson has struggled. Let's see if uh, Declan Dooley can do something. So that's pretty cool. Um, Jack, one of our writers, wrote uh, a bit of a a blurb, a bit of a, a summary of Declan Dooley with some highlights, some clips, some tweets. Highly recommend you check that out if you're a recruiting type person, if you obsess over the prospects and <laughs> you're like me and you uh, played too much dynasty mode in NCAA college football, <laughs> you could check out that story as well. Um, another story, another really great piece at the champagneroom.com from Mahir, one of our football writers. Always does an excellent job. He wrote about the Illini being agents of chaos in this 2023, uh, sorry, 2022 season. I'm particularly a fan of chaos, specifically if it benefits my teams. Uh, really awesome stuff from Mahir, you know, bringing up the stats in the Illini defense. 
surrendering just 37 yards per game on the ground, giving up just 42.6 completion rate through the air, just one passing touchdown thus far. Actually, if you go back to the past nine games dating back to last season, Fighting Illini have given up only two passing touchdowns while netting nine interceptions. So, I mean, the past defense has really been trending in a positive direction for quite a while under Ryan Walters. Just can't say enough good things about Walters. I mean, just one of the rising stars in his profession, absolutely. Uh, Illinois has got a good one for sure. Uh, but Mahir goes on to talk about how, you know, Teams ahead of Illinois or teams that are projected to be ahead of Illinois in the West, like Minnesota, as an example, have not played very good competition. So it's hard to gauge how good they really are. You know, they might end up being good at the end, but right now it's hard to get a read on them. Uh, So some really good things that point towards Illinois' favor as we get into the meat of the football season. Just one non-league game left than Big Ten football the rest of the way. Highly recommend you check that out as well at thechampagneroom.com. And just one more quick thing. It's not on uh, the website. It's not on our socials. But uh, shout out to the U of I students. Uh, not just the Orange Crush, but the, the students in general. Uh, great buzz for the football program. You know, I feel like uh, I saw some stuff about you know, a lot of student tickets being sold in advance of Thursday's game of Chattanooga. But basketball, men's basketball student tickets sold out in 36 minutes. And that is epic. That is tremendous. The hype is real. Brad Underwood's done a hell of a job getting people jazzed up, excited about the season. You know, you can point to the last couple of seasons, bearing in mind what Io brought to the team. And helped lead them to so many wins. And then Kofi Coburn, Trent Frazier, DMW. You you won a Big Ten tournament title in 21. And then you won the Big Ten regular season title in 22. Good things are coming. The fans are embracing it. Fan excitement's the highest it's been for quite a while. As we get ready to watch the Fighting Illini take on Chattanooga on Thursday, Ben, one of our writers, put together a scouting report for the mocks at thechampagneroom.com. And you know, they look like they are certainly a formidable team. They are an FCS opponent, but they're one of the better teams in FCS. I, I think they're in the top 15, top 10, somewhere like that. Um, They have a really good quarterback, Preston Hutchinson, formerly of Eastern Michigan. So they've got an FBS starting quarterback, a dual threat quarterback. You look at the the skill positions, their running backs, their wide receivers. They've got some guys that you might want to keep an eye on as well. And they haven't played any teams with the Illini's talent level, obviously. You know, they're, they're stepping up in a weight class, so to speak. But certainly a team that that could give Illinois some problems based on certain positions. So you can read more about that. Get a little briefing, a little primer on Chattanooga at thechampagneroom.com as well. If you were listening last week, I talked a lot about trust and building trust, regaining trust within the football program. Believing Brett Bielema trusts his personnel. He trusts the guys he has around him. They've garnered some benefit of the doubt over the last several weeks. I think that Indiana game was a bit of an aberration because they should have won that game. They played well enough to win. They made some mistakes, but I mean, Indiana didn't overly impress. It wasn't like they played the game of their lives either. But all you got to do is beat Chattanooga. All you have to do is beat Chattanooga, and then you need three more wins. Three, that's it. Three more wins in your next eight games against this 
shit show of a Big Ten West. All you got to do is beat Chattanooga. I'm not worried about it. I know lots of Illinois fans are, and I understand it because that's, that's the Illinois move. That's the Illini's move. Hey, we had this great moment, this rousing victory, and we're on the right track, and then they run over a banana peel, Mario Kart style. Someone hits them with the red shell, and then they wipe out, and all the fun is gone. Don't make me regret saying all these nice things. I had all these wonderful, flowery, positive things to say about Illinois. Don't make me take them back. Beat Chattanooga, I'll be fine. I'm not worried about it. I think they're going to win. I'm confident that Brett Bielema is going to have the guys ready to roll. I'm going to bring in uh, two of our contributors here from the Champagne Room. Got Will Charlton and Brant Dolce on Oski Talk. Welcome in, guys. Happy to talk about some Illini football with you. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. So, I mean, obviously, Illinois is on a bye week, so we can't really discuss any results from the week before. But, you know, looking ahead to Chattanooga on Thursday, um, I guess we kind of got a, a little bit of a better sense, maybe, of, of the Big Ten West and the Big Ten in general is based on some of the results from this past week. I still don't really know where Illinois is at. I think we need to figure out what happens in Big Ten action other than just Indiana. But, I mean, the Big Ten West is just – it's a mess right now. And it's terrible. I mean, I was ready to proclaim Purdue as sort of the best team in the West, and then the Syracuse game happened, and I, now I'm – I still am kind of confused. I don't know how to feel about them. You know, Minnesota has looked really good, but they've played nobody. Like they've played terrible teams so far. Yep. Uh, Wisconsin, the only good team they played, beat them. Hey, you scored 66 against New Mexico State, but they played Minnesota two weeks ago, and that was 38 nothing. So, I mean, they've, 104 to seven in those two games. So they haven't played any real competition except for Washington state who beat them. Mm-hmm. You know, Iowa played Nevada, which that game ended about, you know, 4am on Sunday <laughs> with all the weather delays and everything. Uh, what do you guys think? I mean, I don't, I don't know who the best team really is right now. Jay Lehman thinks that Illinois can win the West. He might not be wrong. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, it drew. You're kind of. I think you're talking about this last time I was on. But the Big Ten West is just so wide open, and uh, Illinois. I mean, if we can go back real fast, if Illinois wins the Indiana game, sitting at three and zero, you're already one and zero in the Big Ten, uh, and the three and zero at this point before going to Chattanooga, which should make you four and zero. Yeah. So. The fact that Illinois did drop that game in Indiana is kind of a killer for right now because now you're going to have to already pick up a game on, like, Wisconsin, who they do play in a couple weekends from now. Um, we'll and get to that. To, we'll get to that. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, you have to pick up a game on all those Big Ten West teams who haven't – the thing is, like, Northwestern, even though they're one in one – in, uh, their only win is against Nebraska, so they're already one and right. in the Big Ten, but they haven't won any of the games since. So they're they're leading the Big Ten West right now. They're exactly. one and two, and they're <laughs> exactly. one and zero oh in the Big Ten West. If it ended right now today, they'd be getting smashed by Ohio State. And <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. The, the Big Ten West is just such a. It's ridiculous. It's hilarious how how much worse it is than usual this season so far. It's it's pretty funny. We kind of joked a couple weeks ago that you had boots on the ground at Wyoming. Like you're, you know, you're at those games, like you're in person, you kind of have a better uh, pulse maybe because you're up close to it. You know, is there a team other than Illinois? Let's just, let's just pretend Illinois is not in the conversation. Like, is there a team that you've seen thus far for, you know, three, four weeks into the season that, you know, could take the reins? And then I'll ask Brant the same question. You know, I mean, it's so far it's hard not to say Minnesota it really is I mean they they've been the most dominant team so far even though they haven't played anybody who they had a chance to lose to 
I, I think Minnesota is probably the team that's looking like they're going to be the most dangerous for right now. I mean, Iowa, we their offense somewhat came alive finally in that game yesterday uh, on Saturday, and um, and Wisconsin. I mean, I, I don't really know what's up with them right now. I mean, they just they beat New Mexico State sixty six to seven, I think, and then uh, but obviously lost to Washington State. So I don't know what's up with them, but um, I think Minnesota is probably the one who's uh, we got to watch out for most right now. Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's a good question. And I think, you know, if you just look at the conference overhaul, everyone in the East is 3-0 and except Michigan State. And the only reason they're not is they, they scheduled a game in Washington that I watched last night. And uh, I don't know if Penix is drinking different water out there or what, but he absolutely just torched Michigan State. So He did. If you look here at the West, I mean, when I was watching that game against Indiana, was at home by myself watching it, and I, could, I just had a feeling – at the beginning of the fourth quarter, I'm like, they're just, they're just going to lose. And as it turns out, of course, uh, you know, we can talk about calls and all that, but the, the point of that is the game was there to, for the taking. Indiana had 72 yards of, I think, offense the entire second half. And then yep. essentially 75 I, on that last. Season. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, once they, once they got that first completion, I just stood up in my living room and I'm like, well, if they're sitting there at one and all, I think Illinois is in the driver's seat. But if you're talking about the team that you should, we should be, I guess, worried about the most or poses the big threat, this, is, this for me is kind of like the Patriots and the AFC East. Until Wisconsin is out of it, I just – their defense is so good and their players have, have been there and their program has been there now for almost 20 years. I feel like, you know, Wisconsin's that team you should beat. It's the same way in basketball. You should beat them, but just for whatever reason, you don't. But I, I do like that Minnesota pick in – kind of worried when I think Minnesota comes to Champaign this year that's gonna be a hard game to win with I I don't think Illinois by any means is like the team but for this question yeah it make, makes some sense but I just think until Wisconsin's done until their coffins close and it's six feet under I just think Wisconsin's still a factor yeah right. I, I I would probably lean Wisconsin as well I mean it's that Minnesota's played no one of any consequence. We'll see how good they are next week. They go to Michigan State, and Michigan State's pissed off after losing oh, yeah. Washington and getting just pounded. But until I see Minnesota, you know, do damage against Big Ten teams, I'm not really – I mean, Mo Ibrahim is terrific. I mean, he's great. He's best running back in the Big Ten. Like, I don't – maybe Corum or Henderson for Ohio State, maybe Chase Brown, but, I mean, Ibrahim – <laughs> you know, had that cachet, like he's had that body of work for a long period of time and Morgan's experience. I mean, I, I think they've got, you know, in some, they probably have the best roster of any of those teams, but I'm with Brent. I think uh, even though Wisconsin offensively hasn't really scared anybody, that defense is there, you know, they're the, they're the standard bearer and they have been for a while. So um, I had Iowa as my preseason pick. But I just – I don't know how you can trust them to move the ball consistently at this point. It, it's it's hard to stick with that pick just based on what we've seen thus far. Yeah, um, and there's, I mean, there's a lot of – there's, you know, Illinois has got a really good defense. Wisconsin has got a good defense. Iowa has a good defense. Uh, you know, the, the games within the division, it's going to be interesting because, like, Wisconsin oh, can yeah. win every game, but they could also lose – 10 to seven twice to Iowa and Illinois. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting. And I I think what's probably going to really decide what happens in the West is, you know, if you look at everyone's schedules and who they play from the East, Illinois does not play uh, Ohio state, which I don't know if you saw them play yesterday. They looked like they were, it looked like you were playing like NCAA football and freshman level. They were just, and they, and they honestly could have scored more. They worked on, I mean, they worked on stuff and scored 77 points. Yeah, you know, I I know we're not looking ahead necessarily, but if you really look at Illinois' schedule, if they just play sound defense and don't turn the ball over, which I think is my biggest question mark moving forward, the only game I think that Illinois cannot win and will be maybe a DVR game, quote unquote, would be that when they play Michigan. I think Michigan handles them with ease, but honestly, everyone else, based on what happened to Michigan State and based on some of the stuff we've seen from Northwestern beating Nebraska in a different country and then losing to SIU Carbondale at home. I mean, you know. I'm sure the Salukis are uh, enjoying that $550,000 check, though. (laughs) You know, 
that's oh, a yeah. pretty good check for them to get because you know Northwestern's not really handing out big game checks and that uh the head coach there at SIU is a I'm from Southern Illinois and he's a local guy from DuCoin. Yeah and I play I played high school uh basketball against him. He's just a great dude and I think he won't be at SIU Carbondale very long. It's just it's it's nuts what's going on. It's uh, it's Ohio State and everyone else. And I actually I yeah. actually think it might be Ohio State and everyone else in the country. So we shouldn't feel too yeah. bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm not trying to compare any of these teams to Ohio State. I mean, that's that's silly to do. Like, there's there's mm-hmm. no point in doing that. They're, mm-hmm. they're just I've said this before in other episodes. Like, they're in a whole different galaxy. Oh yeah. Like it's not even the same game. Maybe someday we can inhabit that galaxy, but I don't think that's in the near future at all. Um, yeah, I think the last time we beat them was what it was November twenty seventh, two thousand five, I believe. Uh, we, we went to their place. 2007, and, uh, maybe. I think it was 07. That was the, you know, the the Juice Williams thing with like that. That was the Rose Bowl year. I think was the last time. Yeah, we they could, I mean, That was they in the shoe. Out the option. They couldn't figure yeah, it we out. Yeah. There. I think we held the ball in that fourth quarter, like 10, 11 minutes, something like that, and just yeah, that, the, just that sapped the, all the energy out of that stadium. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and that was that was one of the original good Ron Zook, you know, recruiting pitches when he called. He got off the plane, as he tells the story. He gets off the plane coming back from Ohio State, and they had lost like 58 nothing or something. And he told Juice, if you come to Illinois, when we get off this plane in two years, the score is going to be different. And, of course, they did. And, you know, I, I don't know what you guys were thinking, but I bought season tickets when Zook got here. I'm like, Illinois is not going to be Ohio State, but we can win seven or eight games every year. Mm-hmm. And, man – that went bad in a real big hurry. So you know they they had a yeah. good run because of the recruiting. Like he, you know, he tapped into that pipeline of DC and Florida. Mm-hmm. And like there's a lot of talent there. So they, you can man, make up good. for a lot of coaching mishaps or coaching foibles if you have some talent around you. And like, you know, you had Regis Ben and Martez Wilson and like all these just studs, like guys that are in the NFL for years. Yeah, the, and that's well, that's what you need. Like we had a corner out of DC that he retired at halftime for the Bills. What was his name? Uh, Vontae Davis, I think. Vontae right? Vernon yeah. Davis is a little brother. Yeah, our big brother, whatever it was. Yeah, he retired at halftime for the Bills. I remember that. Yeah, retired <laughs> at halftime. Said I'm I'm over this. Yeah. Uh, do I have any eligibility left in Champagne? That'd be great. Um, got to Will Charlton and Brent Dolce on Oski Talk this week. Uh, just. Kind of wetting our appetites for football. Illinois obviously off this week, but they are two and one. Chance to go three and one heading into the Wisconsin game. Um, if they beat Chattanooga, they'd be the first undefeated non-conference season since 2011. It sounds so wow. sad to say that, oh, but that wow. was the that was the the last Zook year. That was the six and zero oh to six and six. Oh, that's right. We beat uh, AJ Jenkins was on the first Heisman oh, watch. Man. Illinois yeah. beat Arizona State. That was uh, mm-hmm. like 17, 14, something. That was uh, Osweiler was there. Osweiler <laughs> played at Arizona State, got drafted to like replace Peyton Manning, retired from the NFL three years ago, and that was still like the last time <laughs> Illinois went unbeaten in non-conference. Like that's, again, Unreal. different galaxies, right? Different galaxies. But they take care of Chattanooga, which is – they're not a tomato can. I think they'll give Illinois some trouble in some areas. They got a mobile quarterback, a dual threat kind of quarterback that might, you know, might affect the defense a little bit, you know, but Illinois should win that game. Like that's, it's an FCS team in Champaign. Like they should win that game. It should be fairly comfortable. We don't want to, uh, this is the, this is the thing. Illinois fans. If you say, Oh, they should win that game. You'll get, Oh my God, Illinois, you should never assume a victory. Oh my God. And then you say, I'm a little nervous about this game. Why don't you have faith in Illinois? Like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. It's it's you're wrong either way. So let's assume that Illinois can show those competencies they've shown the first three weeks and beat an FCS team, and then we'll see what happens with Wisconsin. You don't want to overlook, you don't want to look ahead. This is like definition of a trap game, right? Like, yeah. hey, we've got an FCS team coming to Champaign. We're really excited about this Wisconsin game. And then you fall flat. Like, we don't want that. I don't expect that personally. I think, you know, Brett Bielema is not going to allow that to happen. I just think the coaching staff knows what they're doing. If this was 
Lovey or Lasagna, maybe it's a different story, but uh, I think uh, I don't think they're going to have any issue. No, I don't think so. I mean, I also think that the fact is that Thursday night game is going to really help out because it's kind of hard to overlook a really fun like Thursday night game, I feel, because like they were giving out free student tickets uh, down here and um, the the block guy apparently is completely sold out for that game. All the tickets for block guy are, are gone. Um, will it be filled up? I can't say yes or no to that, but, uh, they started giving out student tickets in the, uh, the, the, I think section 101 too. So, um, there should be a pretty good crowd there. So the fact that the players are seeing that, I think it's going to get them excited. I think they're going to be really ready to go. Chattanooga last week was ranked ninth in the FCS poll. Um, and I know that they, uh, they've had some pretty good margins of victory so far. So they're going to, I mean, they're going to come and playing well too. Chattanooga is a good team. I mean, they're not, they're not by any, by any means a team you can't overlook. Cause I mean, right. you can't overlook good FCS schools. I mean, we, we've seen that before. I mean, even Iowa, South Dakota state, South Dakota state is like two or three in the FCS poll and they almost beat Iowa. So you, you can't overlook these good FCS teams. And I, if in order for us to be really comfortable though, I'd love to see a, a win by like at least 17 points, probably. I mean, I, it probably should be a little bit more, but I think if Illinois is able to find a way to win by at least 17 where Chase Brown just runs the hell out of the football again and uh, Tommy DeVito makes better passing decisions this time around, I think that Illinois will be fine for sure. Yeah, well, I think uh, it kind of goes back to what Brant was talking about earlier with Indiana. You know, losing that game, you know, that might have taken some of the juice out of the Virginia game. Like the fan excitement was kind of tepid. And yep. then – they just smash Virginia. Like that game should have been 37, 41 to three. Like it was. Oh yeah. Oh like yeah. An eye, it was an eye popping kind of game. So maybe with that in mind, watching what happened a couple weeks ago, there is more fan excitement. There is more attention paid and it's a prime time game on a Thursday night. You're one of the only acts in town. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't know what the spread's going to be. They'll, they'll probably release one here in a couple of days. Um, I would – I mean, Chattanooga has scored some points. It's been mostly against FCS schools, but they've scored 40 points twice, and the other game was 31 points. So, that yep. mobile quarterback could give them some problem. That, that What I look for in a game like this, if you're going to, if you're going to lose this game, typically it's because you're going to lose, you know, 45-42. And I just – right. With the way Illinois secondary is playing and the way they're getting some depth from some of the young guys like they had in Virginia at the end of the game, I, I stuck that in my piece. I wrote about that Virginia game because a couple guys, I was like, who the hell is this guy? This guy looks like he's 40 years old. He's a freshman. I gave Yakis out of, out of uh, Florida. I mean, I, I couldn't believe how big that guy was. He's going to be an absolute stud. And I think another equalizer or the, the great equalizer that Chattanooga should not be able to match is, you know, Chase Brown is number one in the United States of America in rushing yards. Um, when I looked, I was looking up some yeah. stats earlier, and I'm like, he's number one? And think about, you know, I know McCray. I mean, I would like to see him. Hopefully McCray can play in this game and get about 20 carries. Because if for me, if you look long-term for Illinois, the, the three biggest question marks, ball security, they've already lost six fumbles. DeVito has two picks. Honestly, he could have had probably seven picks against Virginia. They just couldn't catch one. Uh, they've lost six fumbles. Uh, I think DeVito's probably my number two question mark. And then can Chase Brown carry the ball 30 times a game? And I just don't think he can. And if Josh McCray can play and he can get the ball, I know he's coming off an injury, but it's been a minute here. If he can get 20 carries and you can limit Chase Brown, I wouldn't be surprised if Chase Brown had 15 carries for 180 yards. Like it just wouldn't surprise me. And at some point, you know, if, if Illinois is going to, we talked about, you know, potentialities earlier if Illinois is going to have a you know a legitimately special season to win eight or nine games Tommy DeVito's got to be better than he's been I mean just flat out I, I, I feel like I feel like we I mentioned PlayStation earlier back in the day I feel like he hits the x button and holds it down and just throws everything as hard as he can and I it's crazy to me that some of his better throws are longer throws he has missed running backs out of the backfield he's missed tight ends over the middle I mean just throwing it so hard that they sailing over their head by like two or three feet and he has got to be better. I'm not saying he's, you know, he's not going to win the Heisman. He's not going to pass for 300 yards, but 
he has got to hit open tight ends on those crossing routes off of play action. And he's got to be able to have two or three throws a game where it's like, oh, that's a good throw. And that's it. You know, the Indiana game, they're going in for the winning touchdown. Isaiah Williams is open. All he has to do is throw it towards the goalpost, and he throws it five yards behind him, and it's a pick, like the three. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. holy mother of God, just throw, just flip it up there. And, and this would be a good game, honestly. Scenario A for me, and Will can give his thoughts. Scenario A for me is Illinois wins this game like 45 to 6, and you get 20 carries from McCray, about 15 or less from Brown, and DeVito plays well. Even if it is against an FCS school, I don't care. Here's the thing about it. I didn't realize this. The strength of schedule. What do you think? What do you guys think Illinois strength of schedule is right now? I could not believe this. Very I would weak. say with Wyoming now kind of three and one and improving from what we saw week zero. And then, of course, Indiana, Big Ten team and Virginia. And ACC, I'd say are you talking about like National League in the country, you mean? Yeah, I'm talking about if you go to like uh, if you go to college sports reference dot com, they have all I'd the say oh, top twenty five in the country. What do, you th- what do you think, Will? Indiana Street, I remember. I, I, I'd probably say – I don't know if I'd give it top 25 just because of the fact that they do play in the Big Ten West too. But, I mean, I guess I guess they do – they will play Michigan State and Michigan. I don't know if I'd say top 25, but I'd say it's somewhere between 25 and 30. That's what I thought too, but it's actually the yeah. 17th hardest schedule. 17th. See, wow, I, I feel like the way you asked the question, you were leading it yeah. to be like – well, I, you okay. think it's seventieth, but it's actually seventeenth. So yeah, I mean, I well, I can see that. With you're also looking true. at the strength of I mean, the schedule of the opponents, got, like Michigan State playing Washington. That's true. That's true. And, and those, yeah. you know, those can, you know, Michigan's going to play a lot more tougher competition now. They had yeah homecoming opponents the last three weeks, but you have you know. Purdue yeah. played Penn State. Purdue played yeah, Syracuse. I, like all that factors into it as well. Yeah, and another rating they have on that website, which I really like, I don't, if you've heard, it's called Simple Rating System. And it basically just takes margin of victory, and it takes, like, a couple other stats. And then it, it caps it at a 24-point win, and it, it's between 7 and 24 points. So, like, if, if you're Ohio State and you beat someone 77 to 20, like, you don't get step-tuple credit. And Illinois' ranking on that, which is basically showing if you play well, you're going to win, they're ninth in that ranking. Yeah, of 131. So I think Illinois has played very well. And if, just be honest, if the officiating crew in Bloomington would have just been okay that night, Illinois wins that game. I mean, they they probably had – we, we can help ourselves, We can do a 45-minute podcast on that. We did not help ourselves. Yeah, I'll and, tell you that much. Well, no, we, we didn't. You know, and that's one of the – but you know what? In the long term, though, not just this year, maybe year three, year four, year five for Bielema, that's the kind of game that you can kind of see, like, like to Drew's point, when they came back, I was like, oh, God, Virginia. Oh, God. And they just absolutely just – I mean, absolutely trounced them. And I think that's yep. a game in three or four years when we're doing this podcast. We're like, man, remember that Indiana game we blew? And then it's like, oh, well, I'll be laughing and having a couple of cocktails. And then – Maybe at that point, Illinois, maybe Illinois is at the top of one of these lists at that point. Because for me, and what I really, what I really want to know from Will, is is the buzz any different? Like on the campus, is any is are more kids talking about football at Illinois? I'd say so. I mean, as opposed, so last year, obviously, it was Bielma's first year, and not many people like really expected much let's say and five and seven record that's probably about what pe- most people expected probably didn't expect bowl game bowl game appearance and be the most first year but this year i've heard a lot of people who are like yeah we're for sure going to go to bowl game this year like there's no way we won't we're going to be much better this year devito's a much better quarterback than peters is and i i mean it's not like incredibly different but the, the fans they have more hope People I've talked to have a lot more hope in this football program right now. And it's pretty cool to see. I mean, now the attendance of the uh, Memorial Stadium might not exactly show that, but I think that there is, in general, a much better buzz that students are liking the football team a bit more. And it's cool to see. Yeah, and I, I think – I honestly think the reason attendance has been so low at football games is the building across the street. 
I think people are pretty excited to see what goes on in that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. As as I am. (laughs) And and it makes a big difference when you can bring a recruit to a basketball game. Um, It's going to be a huge advantage for BLM the next two or three years as he really builds the program and he can bring a kid to on a visit and he can go to state farm center and he can watch exciting basketball, seven to 18,000 people in the, in attendance instead of watching John Gross get beat 52 to 49 against Northern Alabama. I mean, it makes a big difference. I'm not, I'm not saying Illinois football is going to be, you know, in the, in, in discussion as one of the top teams, but, you know, I think we'd all agree the ceiling for Illinois basketball is much higher than the ceiling for Illinois football reasonably. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Bielma has the, you know, not only does he have the experience, I mean, he's 68 and 24 at Wisconsin, went to the Rose Bowl three times. And I know it didn't work out at Arkansas, but his third year, they were eight and five and their field goal kicker missed two kicks inside of 30 yards. And he has to play all those teams in the SEC West every year. So that was not an easy task by any means. And he's, he's got the ability to get Illinois to where I think, you know, if they're over under in Vegas is eight or somewhere around there every year, I think I can live with that. And I think it's going to be a lot easier for him to get there with the basketball program is sending to where to send it to. Yeah. To, to that end, Brent, I, I agree hundred percent. I mean, look at Kansas football. There's might not be a better recruiting tool than having a, five-star kid go to Allen Fieldhouse in January or February for a Big 12 basketball game. Absolutely. I think that that plays a huge part without a doubt. I mean, what, you know, EJ Liddell, uh, we don't like talking about EJ Liddell because he's an Illinois guy going to Ohio state, but he said, you know, the reason he picked Ohio state was he saw Ohio state football when he was a kid, be really, really good. And so he became an Ohio State fan because of that. And then that was his dream school in a roundabout way. What you're saying, Brent's 100% correct. Like success in those other sports, specifically basketball, can be a great recruiting tool, can generate some fan buzz, but it can also work to your detriment. It's like, well, Illinois football has been lousy for the last 10 years. Like most of these students at Illinois, they've never seen, they don't know what a good Illinois football team looks like. I mean, yeah. I, I asked Will, like, you're, you're 20, going to be 21 here in, at the end of next semester. Like, what's the best Illinois football team you can remember? So I think, like, the, mo- the best, the most recent team I remember was the last Rose Bowl team. Like, I, I think it's kind of like when – that's when Illinois was, like, the biggest buzz in college football. And I was really young at that time. I think I was only – So you had to have been, like, I was only like six maybe? Yeah. yeah, five, six, seven, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was very young, so I wasn't even I wasn't even following college football at that point. So, honestly, right. like, I, a really good Illinois football team is not even in my recent memory. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's one for you. I'm going to be 40 soon. I have that team, the O1 team, and that's kind of where the list stops because I can't remember anything before, like <laughs> – yeah. So the, the reason I became an Illinois sport, sports fan is that 89 team, the flying Illini, I was like six. And my dad was like, I mean, he just couldn't get over how great they were. And Illinois football, they had a couple good years. You know, they wanted to some bowls, like the Micron PC Bowl, whatever that was. But like, yeah. honestly, in 40 years, I, I think Illinois played in the Rose Bowl in like 82 or 83. But I, I don't remember that. But think about that. It's 40 years. I've been around 40 years. I can remember 30 of those very, very vividly. Illinois had two good football teams. Yeah. Illinois has been a number one seed three times in the tournament since that, in the same time span. I mean, it's it's a big difference. And, like, if you factor in the the 60 previous years before I was alive, Illinois was basically Ohio State or Alabama. They had, like, five or six national championships. Yeah. 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 And uh, to think that football has, you know, I think six or seven natties and – Basketball didn't have any. Like it's just right. It's the most yep. you could probably win. You could probably go to California right now, and you could probably win so much money at bars by saying, "Does Illinois have a national title in basketball or football?" They, oh everyone yeah, would pick, everyone would pick basketball. Everyone would and, assume basketball. Oh yeah. It's just it's For it's sure. nuts to me the sure. futility of of Illinois football over the last uh, four decades. I guess. Yeah, I'm with you, Brent. Like we're we're of a similar age. You're you're a couple years mm-hmm. older, but similar similar. Like I can think of maybe five or six decent teams, and I'm not talking about like 
the Texas Bowl team that beat RG3. I'm not talking, I'm talking about like, you know, those teams that have Simeon Hardy, Kurt Kittner, like before before social media, before, you know, every eight-year-old had a cell phone, like that kind of stuff. Like Mm -hmm. I can only think of a handful, you know, we had guys like Jeff George, you know, Jeff George was lighting up the scoreboard in like 1990. I mean, he was the number one overall pick in the draft. Can you imagine that today? Like Illinois gets a number one NFL draft pick at quarterback specifically. Like, never. No. Nope. Maybe Kirkland Michaud was really, I, I really good. Couldn't. I certainly couldn't. Not a chance. <laughs> Maybe Kirkland Michaud or Cal Swanson becomes really, really good in the future. Maybe Barry Lunny's got some, you know, <laughs> special sauce. But to think of like if Brett Bielema can string together three years in a row of Eight and four. Oh my That's god! A highly, oh. hugely successful. <laughs> oh. Hugely successful. They have the stat. They'd be making the statue. Uh, Will Charlton, Brent Dolce, joining me here on Oski Talk, uh, covering talking about some Illini football during the bye week. Uh, Chattanooga, the mocks coming in on Thursday evening. That's a BTN game. Uh, small sample size. So if you're, uh, we talked about this a little bit before. If you're not an Illinois fan, maybe you're just a casual observer, you're a sicko and you're watching some football, probably a good uh, appetizer for you for Saturday. Um, Will mentioned uh, the mocks are a top 10 team in the FCS. That's not nothing. I mean, this is not some, not by any means. this is not some punching bag team. Like they're, they're solid. Illinois should still beat them. I was trying to find a line. They don't have a line yet. I would assume it's probably going to be like 10, 12, 14, somewhere like what you would have seen with Wyoming, I would think, but probably a little more. I, I don't know, maybe a little bit more. Um, uh, again, well, not a game you, you can sleep on by any stretch though. I think yeah, no, not at good. all. Not at all. If, if you factor in like the way they're going to make that line, I mean, Illinois hasn't given up a touchdown yet at home. It's, true. it's probably going to be a pretty aggressive line. I it's probably going to be 20 ish be my guess that somewhere in there. And Illinois should three cover scores. It. three scores. I mean, and you alluded yeah. to this too earlier, Brant, like, the type of game against an opponent like this. It reminds me, I know obviously UTSA was really good last year. Yeah. yeah. But it's that kind of game, right? Like a shootout, 37 30, like we're just trading blows back and forth. It's not like if it's a 13 to 10 game, like Illinois, that's Illinois' comfort zone. Like yeah. if it's a defensive oriented game, you got to give the edge to Illinois. That's probably the best unit on the field of those four. Oh, yeah. But then you also have the special team stuff you might have to concern yourself with. Special teams have been a little shaky. Kicking game's been a little dicey. Um, so, yeah, I think if you're if it's going to be an upset alert kind of thing, it's going to be a an Eastern Michigan from 2019, uh, UTSA oh. from 2020. It's going to be one of those type of games. I think uh, you're I, right on. I, the only way Illinois loses this game – in my opinion, Chase Brown would have to have some type of inability to play the game. If Chase Brown plays this game, Illinois will win the game. I mean, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I it, agree. It's, the difference for me there is you want to see where the program is. And, you know, be able to talk a lot about this after the Virginia, the revenge game, if you want to call it that. If you cannot walk out on your own field and play Tennessee Chattanooga at home and you can't just duplicate or even better than you did against Virginia – then we can talk all we want about the Big Ten West. It's going to be another five and seven year. It just really is. Yeah. And DeVito, to, to me, the, the what I'm really looking to, to watch for on Thursday is, can Tommy DeVito do something that he hasn't done as of yet, and that's play a complete game of football and yeah. not try to throw five interceptions? It's almost like the other day against Virginia, he was like, let's see how many interceptions I can almost throw with some of those passes. And – I don't know. I, it's not a, I don't think it's a controversy at any point. But at, at some point here, I mean, DeVito's got to play a little bit better or maybe it's the art show again. I just feel like he's dependable and he, he's not going to turn the ball over. He may not have the, the dazzling plays, but he's not going to turn the ball over. Do and, you think, Brant, do you think some of that is just still trying to get some familiarity oh, with receivers? I mean, I mean, it, like, seriously, like, Real talk. Yes. He's not been bad. Like he's had some throws where you're like, ooh, like that was bad. Right. But he's, he's also not, had some where he's also like, had the opposite. 
He's also had a couple of dimes where you're like, this oh, yeah. is what we've been looking for for years. Oh, yeah. So I, yeah. And and Will and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, um, leading into Indiana, 12, 12 different receivers caught a pass in that first game against Wyoming. I think eight caught a pass against Indiana. I don't remember how many caught a pass against Virginia, but you had like Ryman getting a catch and Marquise getting catches. Luke Ford had like four or five catches. And then you had, you know, Bryant and Hightower. And so it's like, I'm almost okay with, you know, not having Isaiah Williams have, you know, 85, 90 catches. If it means you're going to have three guys with 40, there's not yeah. a one go-to guy. And I think maybe that's part of why the timing's been a little bit off. Maybe he's just trying to figure out like the best way to utilize these guys. Cause he's found Bryant as a downfield guy often like that's been oh, yeah. you're the deep threat guy Isaiah Williams is like we're going to throw you the most targets but you're not the downfield threat we're going to let you you know do your jitterbug thing let your speed and athleticism get separation and then Hightower has been like the, the the possession guy where he'll just jump up and catch anything sometimes two or three times on the same play but <laughs> yeah. you know yeah, like, I, and yeah. then, you know, like Casey Washington's been a ghost. Like we've seen, he's got what three, four catches the whole season. Like they've barely used him at all. And we thought going into the year, he was the the clear number two guy. So I, I think maybe that's part of DeVito's thing. Maybe that's a Barry Lunny thing too, is just spreading the wealth. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, good. Well, yeah. I mean, talking about like Pat Bryan, I'm like being the downfield guy and stuff like that. He, DeVito threw a beautiful pass to him that set the alignment up really deep in uh, Virginia territory. That was a beautiful pass. And that's one of those passes where he's like, damn, this guy's pretty good. (laughs) But then he also has passes like some against Indiana or the uh, first pass of the game against uh, Virginia. It's like, come on, dude, really? So, you know, I feel like so far it's definitely been like, I'm not going to say a love-hate because it's too early to say that. But um, way too early to say that. But it's kind of like a thing where, do we have a hundred percent trust in him yet? I do. Like, See, I, I don't. I don't think yeah. that's a question. Uh, I yeah. Mean, time will tell if he if he stinks in Big Ten play. Like maybe you give him right. a look. But I think you know, seeing Brandon Peters and seeing Sitkowski last year, like I saw enough of those guys to know, like we needed something else. Peters yeah, had he's big, been better for sure. Peters had a big arm. Like Brandon Peters had a big arm. You're not a five-star recruit if you got a noodle for an arm. But he would no. make these throws, and it'd be 20 yards to the left or the right of the guy he's trying to throw the ball to. Or that Penn State game where he came uh, in in overtime after Sikowski got hurt. It's like he threw one pass and he threw it into the front row of the back. Like he threw that thing. 15 yards out of the end zone on like a three yard pass. He and he Sitkowski threw, a, he threw the ball away. Yeah. Intentionally like, in overtime. Like Sitkowski, I think, has better accuracy in that sense. But like, there's a reason they went and got a transfer guy. Like, if he was your guy, you know, why not just have one of your freshmen be a backup? Or why not have oh, right. somebody right. Collier be a backup? Like, I've seen enough of Sitkowski. And I, I kind of joked about this in the offseason. Like, if Tommy DeVito can't play sit, can't outplay Sitkowski, they might as well go to Juco baseball walk on guy or D2 football walk on guy instead. Like, yeah, DeVito's done enough. He's, he's a competent quarterback. He's not going to be CJ Stroud. He's not going to throw for 7,000 yards and 60 touchdowns. He just, he doesn't need to do that. Like, Bielema is still a, run first coach they've been oh, yeah. a little more they've been much more balanced with Barry Lunny but to me like I don't have any mistrust or doubt there's going to be a bad throw there's going to be throws where you want to avert your eyes because you're like that was not desirable but he's tough he's got some mobility we've seen that, yeah, Moxie. I'll tell you that he's much. got yeah I mean Brett Bielema said you know he's Jersey through and through he's Jersey all the way um, if that's a if that's a toughness thing, if that's just a swagger thing, I don't know. But um, I think he's the right guy to lead the offense. You know, you're not asking him to do a ton. He's not a game manager. I think that's you know kind of a denigrating his skill set. He's better than that, but they don't need him to be much more than that. 
Like he has it in him if they need to throw. There's going to be games where they need him to throw 350 yards and three touchdowns. I think he can oh, do yeah. it. Um, so I, I don't have that same, maybe that you guys have, I don't have that, that doubt that he's the right guy because if they thought they had that guy already, why are you going to get him in the first place? No. And trust me, after seeing like Brandon Peters and Art Zikowski, they were talking about last season. I mean, I, I already know he's, he's a much better college quarterback than those guys. And he, you can tell he's a lot more comfortable. He knows that he can already trust his guys and, He's also much more mobile than those two already. I did not expect to, I did not expect him to be that mobile. Um, it's great to see he's not scared to use his legs. That's that's a huge factor, especially coming into big time play. Because yeah, we saw him against Indiana. He he was not scared to run the ball, and that was a really good thing to see. But some of those hits he took, it's like, all right, Tommy, we get you can run, but we need you healthy. <laughs> I mean, again. I think there, there are going to be games where you're going to need him to be the best player on the field. Oh yeah, the absolutely. Best player on the offense. So you're going to, you know, you can't expect Chase Brown to go 150, 175 every game. There's going to be games where they bottle him up. You know, Indiana did that in the second half of that game. You know, they knew they're going to hand off to number two and they were ready for it. And we didn't have an alternate plan. Part of that was because McCray was hurt. You, know, right. you, want to, you want to lean on him in those, you know, third and one, third and two kind of scenarios. But, you know, I think DeVito is fine. He's been better than I expected with the first couple of games. I think he's still feeling his way through, you know, who his top targets are. I, I, and maybe this Chattanooga game will give them a chance as, you know, Brant was kind of joking about Ohio State earlier. You know, they were working on things and still scored 11 touchdowns. Maybe this is the game where they can – work on some of that and they don't have to, you know, panic. Yeah. And, you know, DeVito, DeVito just needs to be the guy that doesn't throw the interception against Indiana five yards behind the guy. He, right. he just has to make yeah. the simple play. And he's honestly, I think he's pretty much exactly what Bielman likes. He's got a good arm. He's, he can be very accurate. He can, he's mobile enough, but they're not going to center the game plan around him running a lot. And that's the kind of guys that can just crush you late in the second half when it's a, you know, it's a naked bootleg on a play action and he goes 40 yards. And then he hasn't thrown to the tight end one time on play action. He waits until there's eight minutes left and then points over there, throws to the guy and it's, it's a touchdown. And I, DeVito's clearly tools for, you know, we're just comparing the toolbox. DeVito clearly has the most tools. There's no doubt about that. He's probably got more tools than any Illinois quarterbacks had since Shieldhouse, I'm guessing. You can win with him. You can win 10 games with him, but you can't win 10 games with the DeVito through the picks against Indiana or just inexplicably does things. And I think in the long run, that pick he had against Virginia early, it's probably going to be the best thing that's going to happen to him because he was much more conservative for a while. And then he, he, he it's, I just feel like he just makes pre-snap decisions sometimes. Oh, I'm going to throw this ball. I'm going to throw this to Pat Bryant. He's going to be open on this 12 yard end. Well, you know, Maybe he's not, but he throws it anyway. And with the ability to run the ball, Chase Brown and McCray together, you know, if you look, and I know we can't look past Chattanooga, the team can't, but we can't. The next three games after that are Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. Yeah. Like, so in, in those games, to win those games, two of three or all three or whatever they end up winning, their play-action game is going to have to be on point, and he's going to have to be able to throw the ball in some – you know, not tight windows, but not NFL windows, but like SEC windows. Like he's going to have to make four or five throws in all three of those games where it's like, damn, that's a good throw. Yep. And if he, if he has the ability to do that and he just has to be good on that day, I mean, it can be a really successful season for Illinois. And to your point, Drew, like I read about him, I saw some highlights and I'm like, dad, we had Peters. He was a five-star guy and he was, he had happy feet and wasn't really impressed with him. And, but when, he, when I saw the first throw he made against Wyoming, I was like, oh, this guy can actually throw. He can spin a little. And we also have we, – we also were fans. We also have to recognize this is the first year with Lenny. Yep. It's the first year with uh, a, obviously a transfer. This is Bielma's, only Bielma's second year, and it wasn't exact – and you had – I don't – how many super seniors last year? 30-something? It was a Something lot like that. Yeah. A lot. I mean, 20, 25 piece, yeah. For, for all intents and purposes, 
this is kind of the first year really for Bielma. Yeah. And if you take away some clock management and some just atrociously bad decisions by him early in his career here, they could have won eight games last year very easily. And yeah. I, yeah. I, really, I really think that DeVito, if he's throwing the ball 22, 25 times and you're running the ball 30, 32 times and about half of those passes he throws are play actions. And, and he's, he's played what, three games in the system. He's had what, 30 practices. I mean, that's a lot to ask of a kid coming from across the country, essentially to the middle of nowhere. Cause it, it honestly is the middle of nowhere. If you're from Jersey and there's a lot on his plate. So maybe he can just calm down a little bit. They have it. They're, they're going to have a chance, but he, he's going to have to be a little bit better than he has been. And his, his QBR puts him like 75th in the country. I don't put too much stock into that yet. Cause they've played two good teams already. They play actually they played three good teams and you know, they, they haven't had a chance to play, you know, Northern Idaho or some of these other teams. So if DeVito can just be a little better and not just have the three or four plays in a game where it's a head scratcher, Illinois is going to be, they're going to be set up to see what they can do. And honestly, when Bielma got here, if you'd have told me in year two, they were going to have a chance to maybe win the division. I'd have been like, okay, sure. Sure. Well, thing, right. And I think yeah. it's, it's yeah. not just like, Illinois has come so far, so fast. Like it's they have, but it's more of like, look around you. Somebody has to win this damn thing, right? So why not Illinois? Wisconsin, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but just to rehash it, like the best team Wisconsin played beat them. Washington State went to Madison and beat them. Yep. Northwestern beats Nebraska, which on the surface is like, yeah, it's not, that's not a bad win. Then you gag against Duke and then you piss down your leg against SIU Carbondale in front of a rousing crowd of at least two dozen fans. That was a packed house, <laughs> packed house. You know, Iowa had maybe a get right game against Nevada, maybe, but Nevada is terrible. But if they're not going to get right against Nevada, they're never going to get right. Minnesota rolling over Colorado. Nebraska, their first game without Scott Frost. Ooh, Getting rolled over. <laughs> it's just like there's no one that really scares you. Yeah. Illinois looks to me to be one of the more complete teams as far as like offense, good. Defense, good. You know, Purdue, we know they can – Light it up. I think, you know, Purdue's played by the toughest competition thus far with Penn State and Syracuse, but it's it's weird. It's just a weird season. Part of me is like, yeah, let's win the Big Ten West. And part of me is like, you know what? Ohio State's really good. Maybe we don't want to win the Big Ten West this year. <laughs> like, Maybe just settle for like the Outback Bowl or whatever the hell it's called now. Like maybe it's Rose Bowl, maybe. Like, I want to go play what maybe maybe the the quick lane bowl let's just push for that like let's just <laughs> this might no, not yeah. be where you want to go up against ohio state i i'd love to see it but i also don't want to see it at all i mean it's i here's this is what i predict this is just me being an ally fan for a long time they're going to beat chattanooga bielma's going to take the team up and they're going to win in madison and they're going to split wow. they're going to split the iowa minnesota games and you're going to be like they're right in it and they're going to go to nebraska and they'll just get absolutely just threaded, like 38 to 10. And you'll just be like, what? That's just that's just me looking at it as a jaded Illinois fan. Yeah. I, no, I, I really fair. think they fair. go up to Madison and win. I really do think that. Wow. wow. I think Bielmo's going to put on the – he's going to put on the, the Tommy Bahama shirt. He's going to take him out for dinner. He's going to have a cigar, and he's going to tell him a great story about how those, you know, the, the good people of Wisconsin can't stand him and wanted him out of the state. And I think he's going to have the boys ready to go. They're going to be buzzing. And I think they're going to go up and for the first time, and I don't know how long that's going to be. I think they're going to get, get a big road win. I really do. Yeah. And you know, I love Brett, the confidence. You know, Brett Bielema said, even at Big Ten Media Days in July, like other people are going to make a big deal about this game. I'm not really going to make a big deal about it. He's like, he coached Jim Leonard, who's now the DC. Paul Christ was his OC when he was a head coach, obviously he has a relationship with, with Barry Alvarez that goes back a long way. Like 
he's going to say that stuff. And you said this too, Brent, like he ain't got to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it. Like, no, he, if you think that me. he doesn't have that circle on his calendar, we've got some oceanfront property in Savoy to sell to you because he is yeah. definitely thinking about that game. He's definitely thinking <laughs> he's a, about it. He's had a countdown on his, on his iPhone since the day he got hired at Illinois. Oh, I'm sure. Man. And those kids all know too, like, the, the the one thing about Bielma that I, when I saw his first press conference when he got hired, and it was kind of an impromptu thing, and the guy's like, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, do you want to give an opening statement? And he's like, oh, I guess I can. Had no notes. And he talked for 12 minutes about – Oh, he like, can go on. <laughs> day one, day eight, day 15. <laughs> and he talked about all the, th- all the things they were going to do by those dates and how they were going to split it up. And I'm like – I haven't heard this much detail from an Illinois football coach probably since I've been alive. And this is his first conference. Like the kids love him. You can tell they respect him. I just really think, and that's going to be, they can win that game. We're going to be uh, drunk with optimism if they win that game. Like no doubt, no doubt. Then they'll lose to Iowa four to two or six to four or something. (laughs) Be something crazy. It'll be something like that. I swear. It'll be something (laughs) Stupid low scoring like that. But I, you know, I, I, there's not a team in the Big Ten West that doesn't have a weakness. <laughs> like there's not, it's not, yeah. like there's an Ohio State in front of us where it's like, holy shit, like it's going to take a perfect game and we still might lose by 17. I'm not saying they're going to win the Big Ten West. Listen to me, people of the <laughs> internet. I'm not <laughs> saying Illinois is going to win the Big Ten West. I'm well, saying. The pathway is there. This oh, is yeah. a jumbled mess right now. Maybe it'll get cleared up. There's going to be teams. Maybe it's Purdue. Maybe it's Minnesota. Maybe it's Wisconsin that shake off some of these cobwebs early and round into form. Iowa's really good at doing that too. Where they look oh, yeah. like crap don't early count, in the year. Don't count year. them out either. Don't they, count they them out. They look terrible yeah. early yeah. in the year. And then all of a sudden by November, like, holy crap, they're eight and three. Where did this Every come year. from? Like, Every freaking year, man. This is not unusual. Like Iowa gains 140 <laughs> yards a game and they go nine and three. Like this is just what they do. Yeah. It's what they yeah. do. It aggravates me as an Illinois fan who lives in Iowa to see that every freaking year. But you can't yeah. rule anybody out except Nebraska. I think Nebraska's kind of toast at this point. Uh, yeah, you with, can with the, new, with the new coach. Like, I don't so know. Like what, it, well, in less than two weeks from now, they announced that Urban Meyer is their new coach. Yeah, but even then, like, Urban's not going to start week six and just take over. Like, I don't think that might happen. That'd be something Urban Meyer would do. If Urban Meyer goes to Nebraska, that is a nightmare for us. The game changer. Can't even imagine. I don't want that. I don't want that either. Uh, Will Charlton, Brand Dolce, thank you so much for the time, guys. Love love chewing the fat, love talking about Illinois football. And uh, it's always nicer when there's a little bit of optimism. We're not just like – here comes another one and 11. Like, oh boy, isn't this fun? I said on the podcast last week, I like that we're not just looking forward to basketball on October 1st. Like we have some oh, yeah. real, like real games to talk about. We can talk about actual potential and not just waiting for the bottom to fall out. So great talking with you guys. Hopefully have you guys on again soon. All right. Sounds good, Drew. Thank you. Appreciate it. Again, thanks a lot to Will Charlton and Brant Dolce for hopping on the podcast this week. Really excellent stuff, outstanding stuff. Always uh, enjoy getting the takes from other people aside from myself. They'll definitely be on Oski Talk again in the near future. So uh, thanks again to them. As we wrap up the show, always want to give some attention at the end of the episode to our Illini of the Week. It tends to be a non-revenue athlete, uh, someone that uh, you might not be as familiar with. But in this case, it's going to be an athlete or athletes that I've already mentioned in previous episodes of Oski Talk. That would be Adrian Dumont de Chassart and Tommy Cool from the Fighting Illini men's golf team. Uh, both of those guys finished in the top five at Olympia Fields Country Club outside of Chicago, Illinois, taking on Stanford, Florida. Arizona State, and Alabama. Illinois finishing second as a team, and Dumont de Chassart finishing second 
On the individual side, Tommy Cool finishing fifth. Dumont de Chassart finishing with a 54-hole total of six under par, 204. Tommy Cool at four under finished in fifth over the course of the three rounds. You think we're kidding. You think we're just saying that in jest, but Illinois really is a hashtag golf school. Uh, The golfers definitely earning those plaudits this weekend. So congrats to Tommy Cool and Adrian Dumont de Chassart once again, the Illini of the week. That's going to do it for this edition of Oski Talk. Just a quick programming note. If you do download the show every week, if you do tune in, first of all, I appreciate you. Thank you for that. Uh, but there is not going to be a podcast next week. Uh, just I'm going to be out of town. Me and my wife are, are going to be on a little trip. So, so in the meantime, you can download and listen to past episodes of Oski Talk at thechampagneroom.com. We do have a podcast link on the homepage. Or you can listen and download wherever you get your podcasts, especially the good ones. <laughs> Don't forget to follow the Champagne Room on the socials as well, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, I'm Drew Pastoric, ILL. <laughs>